from 2023-2024 team training at Keystone Lodge and Spa in Keystone, Colorado. I'm George Thomas. We're here with Josh Fogg and CC Music Factory. It's a 90s music festival going on, Josh. Wow. Hiya, George. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> Reliving your high school days? Uh, yes. Uh, middle school to high school. That's right. In the CNC Music Factory. <laughs> and we had Marky Mark on and, uh, well, with the Funky Bunch. That's true. I, embarrassingly, I've recognized every song that's been on and uh, I've had a few of these tapes. So, yeah. <laughs> so getting into better things, no snow at all this week. What's up? Uh, yeah, you know, high big high pressure system over Colorado after uh, early storm here in October that uh, dropped. Well, we had 10 inches of snow in Aspen Snowmass a couple weeks ago, and then it got warm and dry like it does sometimes. And uh, it's been 70 degrees at the base of Snowmass in Aspen for the past couple weeks. And but tonight is the night. Uh, the storm is coming into the I-70 corridor and. We should expect, I think I just saw something on social media that said uh, Arapahoe Basin is planning on being open Sunday. So, All due to this one storm. Yeah, a lot of it's going to have to do with the cold temperatures. You know, that that's the thing that's been holding us off. It's the, the temperatures more so than the snowfall this time of year. When it's cold, we can make snow and the Colorado mountains open, especially out here in uh, the Keystone area of Keystone, Arapahoe Basin, Loveland. They tend to open this year, but it's temperature dependent. But when it's 70 degrees out, you can't make snow. So how did that affect your your planning for Aspen Ski School? Um, I mean, when there's just nothing there, are you still pretty confident about opening days? And I mean, you know the temperatures are going to drop sooner or later, but still. Yeah, you know, for us in uh, Aspen Snowmass, we expect the, you know, we don't have a scheduled opening date till Thanksgiving. So we've got a month to go still. Um, and we've been in lots of situations over the years where we've watched it um, stay cold or stay warm. And then, you know, I can remember one year where we had maybe 100 yards to open on Thanksgiving Day and uh, 20 years ago when we opened with uh, 2,000 acres. So um, it's Mother Nature. She's, she can be fickle and hopefully, um, you know, hopefully we'll see cold weather and, and snow like we did last year. Steady snow in Colorado is the key to the game. But you know, that brings to mind a question. Uh, even without much snow, you're still giving guests a great experience. Yeah, you know, the, that's the whole the whole part and parcel of the whole thing is uh, you're showcasing. It's more than just the instruction and how to ski, but it's showcasing what it, whatever it is you have to offer. And sometimes when you have uh, thousands of acres open, you're showcasing the mountain. And when you have 100 yards open, you may be showcasing uh, the re more so the relationship between you and, and the students. You know, it, it may be more about um, a bigger picture piece of, of what's going on. Yeah. I know we're here to talk about team training, but I'm really fascinated in your job as training director there because, I mean, you've got a staff to get ready and your opening day is around Thanksgiving, but what do you do uh, with limited snow for working with your new staff, getting them uh, where they actually can learn the mountain, things like that? It seems like it could really put you behind the eight ball. Um, yeah, that's understandable. So, um 
Because Aspen's big. It is big, absolutely. So part of it is recognizing like um, that we our new hire training doesn't start actually till December, so we're not reliant on um, on our new hires being there for opening day. And a lot of that has to do with our our retention of our staff. We have about a ninety five percent retention of a twelve hundred person school. So we're while we right now we have about a two hundred person. Uh, where I think we're around 200 and we'll say 220 new new hires this year. Um, that makes up a fraction of our overall staff. And so the hiring for retention year over year is a big part of our thought process so that we're not stuck in a situation where we're reliant on people who don't necessarily know their way around yet. Um, now that's not to say that, you know, December, early December can be dry as well. And um, it's a situation where we're trying to equip our new hires with the skill set where they're well equipped with everything else that they need. So when the snow comes, they can learn the mountain as well along the way. Um, and um, while terrain, knowledge of terrain is important, it's not the only piece. If you have the uh, good skill set of how to structure a lesson and what you're gonna, what you can provide for people, then you can f start to figure out where to do it um, pretty quickly. And you just had a week of team training where you all didn't get out on snow at all? That is true. Yep, we've uh, we've spent most of the time uh, here in the Keystone, uh, what do we call it, the Lodge and Spa. Is that, yep, and um, got out for a couple times. We went for uh, a walk together as an Alpine team, and uh, yesterday we went over to Breckenridge uh, Ice Arena, and we uh, got out on ice skates for a couple hours and um, got to see who knows how to ice skate. And, and uh, for myself, I think it's the fourth time I've ever ice skated in my life. And um, But it was good to get out and, and slide around with everybody so you had a an extended term the first time you were on the team because of covid and then you had a shortened term your second go round on the team are you looking at doing a third tryout uh yeah i am yep going for a third and how do you feel going into this one are you do you still have the same kind of nerves that you did the first time you tried out uh, I, I would imagine the nerves are still there um they, they're there, but it's very different. Um, and I think, you know, if I think about all the tryouts I've gone to, so my first tryout was in 2008, and then I went again in 2012, and probably the nerves were largest in 2012. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that I had a good sense of what I could contribute to the team, but I still was a little bit unsure about the overall skill set that I possessed. Uh, quite frankly, by the time I went to 2016, I had a very good sense of what I could offer. And I remember going into that tryout thinking that um, my skills were strong enough to be qualified for the job, but the final selection is up to other parameters, and I could be okay with that. And I went into that tryout um, thinking very clearly that I'd be okay with that, knowing that I had done everything I could do to prepare, and that it really comes up to that final composition of building a team. And that um, sometimes, um, you know, the final composition, it, it 
the skill sets the skill sets become secondary. They get you into the conversation, essentially. So, going into this third term, um, you know, I've had the benefit of knowing um, what the job is like, uh, how my role on the team has evolved, how I can contribute as a leader on our team. Um, you know, as much from a behind the scenes kind of position is, is where I do a lot of my work uh, in that um, uh, contributing thought processes towards how we structure our clinics for like Interski, for example. And um, I have a good sense of what my contribution is like and how I can contribute to uh, our younger or our newer team members. Younger isn't always the perfect word, but the folks who are uh, have uh, who joined our team for this term, and uh, and then I look forward to the people who will join our team for the for the next term, and with a full recognition that nothing's certain. Um, I I recognize that uh, I've had a good run for eight years, and um, I I know exactly how I can contribute to four more, and um, and can can see that view, and and hope that I get a chance to to contribute for four more years and, and help uh, continue the legacy of the team and its impact on our association. I love what you said about being prepared and being at your best because that's such a an alteration of the mindset and do your best is such an overused phrase. Oh yeah, do your best. But when you've really studied, when you've worked on your skiing and your skills as much as you can, you've been coached and you're as prepared as you can be, it, it really is a, a very different mindset because then it is okay if you don't win or if you don't make it because you actually were there without any excuses and you gave it your all. Yeah, you know, one of the things I think a, a lot about with that, uh, I think it, and it was a big change in 2012 to, six, to 2016 was in 2012 I had the, the sense that if I did my if I was able to perform at my absolute best, I would have a good shot at it. In 2016, I got there thinking, even if I do about 80% of my best, my 80% is what's good enough. And that's really how I go about the thought process of training is that um, the entire event is set up. I mean, the tryout is set up to tax. It's taxing, as is a lot of uh, events that we do. Uh, a week at National Academy is, it's taxing. It's it's a it's a long week, um, and that there's very few times where you'll get to perform at your actual peak. But if you can get your 80 percent to be highly skilled, then it it it. There's a certain comfort in that, in that I know I can do not my very best on a given day, but it is still very, very good. So what, over your eight years, really stands out to you as, as one of your best achievements personally um, that you're most proud of in your time with the team? Oh boy, George! From a, uh, that's a good question. Boy, George! Now we're going to the '80s. <laughs> <laughs> My the thing I'm most proud of in the past few years. Um, wow, you really stumped me on that one. You know, I I guess. Uh, a couple things come to mind is one of 
one of being able to uh, I think uh, you know I think about actually the the presentations at Interski come up to mind especially this past one in being able to provide a a clear simple understanding of what uh, of how we look through people skills here in PSI ASI. Um and I, and I guess I think about it, it, you know, it culminates there at Interski, but it really was like a, a four-year journey in um, really creating the language for that and creating the structure of thought. You know, when we went into that Interski presentation, one of the things we were really aware of was what's the, how would it be interpreted culturally? And so we, we went about framing it. We were very specific and we worked very hard. And I remember talking a lot about like, we want to frame this conversation from the sense of this is what makes us successful in the US. And I was really proud of the fact that we were able to present it in such a way that it, it didn't, uh, everyone was able to, all the other nations were able to look at it without feeling like we were telling them how they should act or what we expect their instructors to be able to do. And in that sense, they really, um, we got a lot of really positive feedback about how they appreciated that we put names or words to certain actions. And, and there was a lot of uh, consensus internationally about, no, these are agreed upon actions and behaviors that, that build relationships between people. Um, and so the cultural barriers really dissolved immediately, which surprised me and uh, it makes me feel like there was a, a definite impact internationally. So, yeah. You know, I remember I was actually on the snow with your group at Interski when you were leading uh, People Skills Clinic and you really brought that to life. And it was like, Oh, I see now how you're teaching this and how you're going to be assessing that during a, an exam. And it, it really made sense. It was a great presentation. Oh, thanks. I really appreciate that. I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I think a lot about with the, with the team and things that I'm proud of with that as well is thinking about the, uh, the, the legacy of our association. What are the things that have made us successful? And how do I continue to take, you know, I've been teaching skiing now for, uh, for 30 years, and how do I take the things that I learned, uh, we'll say 25 years ago, that had a big impact, and how do I connect them to the things that we talk about today? For example, um, you know, the centerline concept was uh, very prominent when I was going through certification, but it's not something that's even in a manual currently. Um, and I have a strong belief that of how our fundamentals and the centerline concept actually give us a really strong technical message and understanding. And, and that one of the things I'm proud of is to be able to be one of the conduits through time of those messages so that I can therefore hand that forward to future team members to continue that legacy for us. Um, I think those are important pieces that we continue to want to grow, but we also need to not let go of the things that have made us successful in the past as well. We need to connect them together. Josh, any words for the membership as we head into the 23-24 season? You know, I think the 
the biggest things that, well, I wish everybody a great winter. I, you know, I know that the weather patterns around the country are not always favorable to all of us at once. And I, you know, it'd be nice if it was. So if I could wish anything, it would be that. And then I hope that you're all able to share what, what it is that you enjoy so much about the sport with other people out there so that they can enjoy the mountains the way that we do. Josh Fogg, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us on First Year. Got a nice party going on, and I know you'd like to get back to it. Thanks, George. Always a pleasure. I really enjoy it. Josh Fogg joining us on First Year from the Keystone Lodge and Spa in Keystone, Colorado. I'm George Thomas.